Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy. We're going to be talking UFC ABC2, Marvin Vittori versus Kevin the Trailblazer Holland and Shaq. It's going down tomorrow in the afternoon. You got Marvin Vittori, the number fourth ranked middleweight. And uh, you know how we like to talk about being ready for a short notice opportunity. You know, Kevin Holland's got a chance to rebound here and uh, redeem himself. Uh, you excited for this main event Saturday uh, afternoon? Yeah, you know, I'm always excited for a Marvin Vittori fight. I, I've been a, a fan of his for a while. And then Kevin Holland, he's one of the more entertaining middleweights. He was on quite the rise up until a few weeks ago. So, yeah, he's getting another chance uh, to redeem himself. Uh, Marvin's a very tough task. And let's see what happens on, on, on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, when you make the kind of money Kevin Holland made in 2020, when you're on that five-fight win streak, when you're getting those bonuses, when you're getting – uh, video game-like knockouts like he did over Jacare. I mean, it's only natural that his head exploded, the whole big mouth gimmick. But now, seems like he's pretty damn reeled in for this one. That being said, he can be as serious as he wants, and Marvin Vittori is still a stiff test for anybody in the middleweight division, Shaq. Yeah, 100%. You know, I, you know we'll get into all that later. But, I, you know, Kevin, yeah, look, he made a – I don't even want to say a mistake, but, yeah, his head got blown up. I mean, you knock a guy out from bottom and, and it goes viral like that. And, you know, you're, you're talking in the cage against these guys like Buckley and stuff. Yeah, you know, your your head can uh, blow up. And I think that's exactly what happened. He, he got a big taste of humble pie. And, you know, they say Marvin's a guy that's not very humble either. You know, they say Marvin likes to run his mouth and he's a, he's a meathead and all, and all this good stuff. So I, I like both characters, man. I, I think they bring a lot of passion to the game, a lot of intensity, especially uh, Vittori. But... You know, uh, Kevin as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's going to be a fantastic main event to watch. A great card. I mean, we got two of our favorite prospects, Sodiq Yusuf and Arnold Allen in the co-main event. And just a lot of great fights to talk about. So you already know the deal. We're going to break down this whole card start to finish. But before we do... Firstly, we got to give a huge shout out to our fans for uh, helping us uh, sign a new deal with Manscaped. And uh, now we got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Manscaped. So, guys, listen. Flowers are blooming, the grass is growing, and it's time to chop the weeds. Thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped, you can trim your hole safely and efficiently. I am talking about ball trimmers. Manscaped, the global leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, have an exclusive offer for our audience. Use code BATTLE20 to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Join the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped. They are here to make sure you are trimmed and smelling nice. After all, it's time for some spring cleaning. Spring has sprung, and Manscaped has the best tools to get you ready. And listen, we've been talking about it this whole time, being ready for a short-notice opportunity. And it was funny because we made a joke about Kevin Holland. Uh, he might not be ready for a short-notice opportunity anytime soon after that last fight. Guess what? He is. He is a Manscaped-sponsored uh, athlete. Manscaped are the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming and have forever changed the grooming game with their amazing products. They are here to help you with you uh, with your above the waist holes too. Have you heard of their weed whacker? This nose and air here trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. No more gross nose hairs flying in the wind. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 rotary dual blade system. That just sounds fucking badass. Manscaped is making 
whacking your weeds a time to look forward to delivering maximum confidence while providing hygiene. I mean, what else could you want? Speaking of incredible hygiene, Manscaped has formulations to keep you fresh and ready for everything that comes your way all day. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. It starts to get hot outside, especially down here in Hotlanta. I know Shaq knows firsthand, and this is so crucial for your balls to stop sticking to your legs. It's legit the worst. You'll also find the Crop Reviver, the spray-on toner for your balls, which will keep you smelling fresh down there, just like spring flowers. And speaking of smelling fresh, complete your grooming game this spring with the new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. Uh, they sent Shaq and I the, the new cologne. And uh, let's just say that uh, the lady's been asking me how nice I've been smelling every single time. This so stuff is legit. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, talk I'm talking about that <laughs> one right there, my man. You know, you already know what the deal is. This stuff is legit and will have you smelling like royalty. The cologne is light, approachable, and gentlemanly in all the right ways. You'll be the talk of the next uh, quarantine hang. Smell good and feel good this spring. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor. Always use the right tools for the job. 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. It's spring cleaning, baby, and your balls will thank you, Shaq. I mean, couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, I don't know anyone that likes sweaty, smelly balls, man. So, you know, uh, <laughs> you get out there and, and you uh, get these. Uh, I got the uh, crop, crop preserver right here, man. Shit, hold on. Yeah, here we go. But, you know. That stuff, man, works wonders. I and I and I tell you straight up firsthand if it was a uh, if it was bullshit or a fraud, man. These products are uh, top notch. I, I vouch for. Them. I mean, we wouldn't have re-signed this deal if we didn't think that Manscaped was the most legit in the game. They really are. So thank I mean, you, Manscaped, for supporting us. Go ahead, bro. Another thing is that underwear, man. That that Manscaped underwear, I I, I highly recommend it as well. Absolutely. Thank you to our fans. Thank you to Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Use that code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. Now, Shaq, let's start. Let's do this whole car start to finish, my man, because first up in the welterweight division, we got Impa Kasangane. He's 8-1, and one, and he's taking on Sasha Palatnikov, who is 6-2. and two. Currently, they got Impa Kasangane minus 275. The comeback on Sasha Palatnikov is plus 235. So, Obviously, Impa Kasangana is a guy that we were very high on, and then he had that devastating knockout loss to Joaquin Buckley. Now, the reason we were very high on him is because, you know, he's less than 10 pro fights into his career, and he's just got that work ethic about him. He's a grinder. He'll go forward. He'll break you. You start to slow down on a guy like Impa Kasangana. He's going to put it on you. He's going to drain your cardio away from you. So the big question is, how does one rebound from such a devastating knockout? Shaq, let me tell you what kind of shape Impa Kasangana is in. Because when you take a knockout loss like he took to Joaquin Buckley, you often think about knockouts such as Michael Bisping versus Dan Hendo. You think about knockouts like Marlon Moraes versus Aljamain Sterling, where the person on the receiving end was literally out cold for like five minutes straight. Like You remember when you and I were in attendance at UFC 201 in Atlanta, Georgia? We saw Anthony Hamilton versus Damian Grabowski, and Grabowski was out cold for like five minutes straight. We were like, dude, is like this guy alive? Or when I was in Nashville and I saw... Mike Perry knock out Jake Ellenberger like we it was scary like you, like when it comes time to announce the winner you want to see the guy that got knocked out like we don't want to see anybody get hurt we want to see them be good to go and you know when when it came time to announce the winner all these guys were still out cold 
if Pokasanganai takes that kick from Joaquin Buckley and Shaq, literally two seconds later, he's already on the stool. To to recover from a knockout like that in so like so quickly, I mean, that speaks volumes to the kind of shape he's in. So while other people that might derail their careers completely, I don't think it's gonna do that to Impa Kasanganai. And now he's dropping a weight class. And my first question is where's he gonna cut those 15 pounds from? But Knowing this guy's mentality, I, I think he's the kind of guy that can pull it off. And with Sasha Palatnikov, I respect him. He's very tough. He can overcome adversity, as you saw in his last fight. I just simply think that he's going to get out out physicaled in this fight. You know what I mean? He's going to get out strength. He's going to get out muscled. Um, his will might seriously be tested in this fight again. And the only difference is Impa is not going to give up like that last guy. So I'm going Impa, probably a 30-26 here, maybe even a finish. Uh, Impa is my pick, Shaq. Yeah, I mean, I agree for the most part. I think Impa's just a better fighter. Whether he's coming off the, the devastating loss, his mindset about it seemed pretty pretty good from the jump, so I don't think it's going to deter him at all. And and Buckley, you know, I think it's just a, a slightly different level than guys like Sasha. You know, he fought that dude Kosuke, one of the Kosuke twins. And if I'm not mistaken, Kosuke had never been out of the first round, and he fought like it. I mean, he dropped uh, Platt. Platnikov multiple times had him hurt fight was nearly stopped and he pulled a rookie move because he just doesn't have that experience I feel like Impa has what two seasons of contender series experience plus uh I remember he fought in Georgia a long time ago against Tubbs and and won you know like less than a year into his career so I just think he's got the higher ceiling he's already done more in his career sure he might be a little gun shy but I hear he's training at uh, Sanford now, he left, uh, where is he from, North Carolina, South Carolina, one of them. And um, so, you know, he's training with these guys like Brendan. I think he said his training partners are are Brendan Allen, Phil Hawes, and like uh, 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 Barry Hall. Like, I think Barry Hall's training there. So I was like, I was like, man, he's uh, he's probably got way better training partners than he's used to. I'm expecting some improvements. And I just don't see him losing this fight. Um, I just think Kosuke maybe not even be ready for the UFC or, you know, you just, I mean, you look at the way he was fighting. It was like a, what I like to call a suicide mission, you know? Yes, sir. Now, next up in the 205 pound division, we got Da Un Jung, who's 13 and two and one. Cause he just had a draw to Sam Alvey taking on William Knight. Who's nine and one. Currently, they got Da Woon Jung minus 130. The comeback on William Knight is plus 110. So Shaq, you know, William Knight is, kind of like known for these comeback wins you might dominate him on the mat early and you know he he explodes back up he knocks dudes out he's probably not gonna have to worry about getting grappled here against down jung jung loves to stand up and bang i know his last fight was kind of a big uh, head scratcher but he's not facing a, a vet here he's facing another up-and-comer how you see this one going down i think it, it could be a tough fight because you know jung he, the last fight was definitely a little concerning getting out volume by no offense, Sam Alvey, getting out volume by Sam Alvey, I mean, that ain't a good look. Uh, I mean, Sam Alvey ain't known for his volume. Um, so I think uh, maybe, look, but at the same time, you can say Alvey also went to split decision with Ryan Spann. Uh, you know, maybe maybe Alvey is slightly, we'll get an Alvey here later because he's also on this card. But, um, man, that was a little disappointing. William Knight, I think he's got some habits that scare me just like, due to his height and you know he's very short for 205 but he's very strong he's very uh you know you know jacked up he's got a lot of muscle a lot of power 
Um, it's just, man, he leaves his chin up in the air. So I wouldn't be shocked if Da Eun Jung got the knockout. But at the same time, something's telling me that if this becomes a dogfight and both guys have taken blows, that maybe William Knight might be a little bit of the tougher guy. But at the same time, a part of me wants to see a little bit more from William Knight. I don't really view Alexa Kamor uh, that highly personally. Um, but at the same time, on the flip side, the other dude beat what uh fraud Kimov and and uh and, and Mike Rodriguez, who ain't too hot either. So it, it, it's close to an even fight, but I'm gonna go with the underdog, um, William Knight, just, just by being tougher, having you know the maybe a couple momentum swings with his power. Um, we'll see what happens though, but it also wouldn't shock me if he got knocked out. So this is an interesting fight because I mean, with uh, Da Un Jung, obviously he he choked out uh, Cadiz, he knocked out Mike Rodriguez, and I personally felt like he beat Sam Alvey. However, despite me scoring it for him, it, I'm not gonna sit here and act like that wasn't a letdown of a performance. The way I kind of viewed it was, I mean, those two rounds, those first two rounds, he kind of coasted. Third round, when he finally decided to let his hands go, he hurt. Uh, Alvi bad and almost got him out of there would have been nice to see him do that earlier in the fight I'm not sure what the deal was I mean was it a case where you kind of felt like so unthreatened by Alvi or I, re I really do not know how to <laughs> explain those first two bizarre rounds from Dao Jung because what I do know is that third round when he finally decided like hey it's time it's time to pick it up he picked it up fine and he looked like that same guy we saw in those first two UFC fights with William Knight I've always been a fan ever since his first contender series fight because, like I said, he's the kind of guy he'll overcome adversity. He kind of reminds me of, you know, I hate to use terms like poor man's this or that, but it reminds me a little bit of the Black Beast, you know, um, where you can dominate him, but he'll explode back up and then he'll knock you unconscious. He's not going to have to worry about getting dominated on the mat here. If anyone's shooting here, I actually think it might be William Knight getting takedowns. Um, but, man, the difference in size here. I mean, we're talking about a 5'10 guy versus a six foot four guy who knows how to strike, who knows how to use his length. And it always concerns me how William Knight leaves his chin straight up in the air. And, you know, guys like uh, Kamer, who, you know, doesn't belong in the UFC, might not be able to capitalize. But I think a guy like Daun Jung can. So I'm actually going to go with Daun Jung to get this one done. Um, I'm, I'm not sure the method, but I'll pick the winner to be Daun Jung. And uh, let's see how this fight plays out. It's going to be interesting. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got Luis Saldana making his UFC debut. He's 14 and 6. He's taking on the vet Jordan Griffin, who's 18 and 8. Currently, they got Luis Saldana minus 135. The comeback on Jordan Griffin is plus 115. Shaq, we know Jordan Griffin gives up easy takedowns, but Saldana seems a, a, like a bit of a striker. So maybe Jordan Griffin's going to get the fight he wants here. How you see this one playing out? Yeah, it's a it's a good fight because I actually think Saldana looked good on the contender series. He's got like what six or seven losses, if I'm not mistaken. So we do know he's had some uh, rough patches, but I also think that he's been like in limbo of gyms. Like he was training at a bunch of different gyms. Now I see he's at fight ready. Um, so I, maybe that's why he's been looking so good lately. Um, fight ready. I mean. Uh, they, I mean, I don't know if you saw the Eric Anders fight, but you know, <laughs> fight, and uh, it's a couple of dudes that have been looking good. That kid, uh, uh um, him, but not uh, JSP. Um, you know, he looked a lot better. Uh, he trains that fight ready. He looked a lot better from his first fight to his second fight. So, you know, maybe uh, 
you know, Saldana fight ready is a good is a good match. You know, they got a good coaching staff, Santino and Eddie Chan them. So, um, but yeah, Griffin's a tough dude, and, and I, my big concern here in this fight with Saldana is, do we have enough evidence that he can grapple? Because he does have some some uh, submission losses, um, but I just haven't seen enough to say that he, he's got a wrestling jujitsu. Griffin, look, he loses position a lot, but at the, on the flip side. Let's look at the some of the grapplers he's been in there with. Uh, Chaz Skelly, I mean, I've been on the record to say uh, Chaz Skelly is one of the more funkier grapplers, you know, in that division. Dan Ige is a, a ranked guy. He did have some success. But also, at the, uh, at the same time, the TJ Brown fight, you know, he was giving up some takedowns. But I don't really see Luis approaching it like that. I see Luis having the better kickboxing. We kind of seen a similar style a little bit like Yusuf Zalal kind of hurt Griffin to the body, um, kind of get the better of the striking, um, have better footwork, but it was a close fight. Um, I'm going to go with Saldana. I'm going to, I'm going to assume that fight ready has the grappling uh, side of things just because Griffin, he does uh, take some backs. He can't get on, he gets on top in most of pretty much all his fights. Um, it's just a matter of, uh, what happens when these teeps from Saldana and these front kicks are stabbing that gut? Is he is he going to like that? Because he definitely didn't like it his last fight. So I'm going to go with Saldana to kind of maybe the first round's a little close, but uh, around the, the second and third rounds, just kind of separate himself with the kickboxing and, and, and kind of pick Jordan apart out in space. So I'll go with Luis. Yeah, this is a tough one, man, because it's like on one hand, I could see this being kind of a 50-50 pick em fight. So from a betting perspective, I do understand people taking Jordan Griffin here. But you brought up such a great point. Fight ready changes lives. These guys come back looking completely different when they start training at fight ready. I mean, my boy Henry Cejudo was always an elite athlete. But do you remember when he started training at fight ready? All of a sudden, his explosiveness, his athleticism reached a new uh reach new heights. Same thing with Patricio Pitbull. You got Eric Anders. All of a sudden, he's letting his hands go. So when guys train at a place like that, you know, everybody's different. You know, this guy is not a world-class athlete like Patricio and Henry, but still, still, it's going to do something to your game. He doesn't have to worry about takedowns here. Neither guy does. Mm, this is a close fight. Normally, I go with the dog. It's just I, I love the fight-ready angle here. But again, I don't fault anybody. Uh, for considering this 50-50 and therefore taking Jordan Griffin, who's got more UFC experience. It's just, man, he makes so many questionable mistakes. And, um, you know, similar to someone later on the card, John McDessey, word on the street is that uh, Jordan Griffin and John McDessey were the two guys that always skipped wrestling practice at uh, Rufus Sports. So uh, I I'm going to go with Luis Saldana here via, via a very close competitive decision. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got... A serious showdown here between Jack Shore, who's 13 and 0, taking on Hunter Azure, who's 9 and 1. Currently, they got Jack Shore minus 170 to come back on Hunter Azure's plus 150. So, Shaq, Jack Shore, he's a phenomenal wrestler from Wales. I mean, you know, trains with Brett Johns, love the kid, undefeated. Stylistically speaking, though, Hunter Azure's got uh, some USA wrestling behind him. You think it's going to be uh, a walk in the park once again for Jack Shore? Or is this going to be a competitive matchup? Yeah, it's a good fight. You know, I've actually been knowing of Shore for for a while now, man. Um, maybe like since like early in his career, because um, all his fights were on Cage Warrior. So um, we've been knowing about Shore for a while. Um, do I think that he's 
this surefire bona fide future top 15 guy? No, I don't. But I think he's solid. I think he could be a top 20 guy, a relevant guy. Uh, Hunter Azur, on the other hand, look, this is a this is a good matchup because Hunter Azur, he's kind of faced, uh, I don't want to say similar, but he has faced guys with that grappling pressure, like Katona tried to, to grapple him, and we can't forget that, uh, surprisingly. Brad Katona's got two wins, he's got two wins over Thug Nasty and Kyler Phillips, so you know, we can't uh, we can't forget that. But I, I, Hunter Azur, he's a strong wrestler, 100%. It ain't going to be easy trying to hold down a guy like that. He could definitely cling on to him, but as far as controlling him on the ground, like, you know, settling on top, it might be – Jack might have to work a little harder for in, in this fight. Hunter's a very strong boy, also trains at the gym we were just talking about, Fight Ready, with Santino and Eddie Chai and them. And, and so uh, – Look, I, I like Jack Shore, but Hunter Azor, you know, he, he's got some talent as well. He can wrestle. He's got big power in his hands. The only thing I don't like about Azor, he's kind of a little bit of the way he fights is a little bit, you know, meat-heady. He kind of just, you know, swings the big bombs or, you know, wrestles. You definitely know what he's trying to do. Uh, and he gets tired a little bit. He's been dropped by some lesser guys as well. I, I feel like Shore has got better fight IQ, maybe even slightly sharper hands. What I'm concerned is is if they get into a couple exchanges and he's a little tired from trying to hold Hunter down. And uh, I think Hunter, man, he's got the power to change the, you know, change the momentum of this fight. I mean, that Cole Smith fight, I actually thought it was a good performance. He got tested in that fight as well with his, his back getting taken. Um, I think Shore's got a lot more to offer on the feet than, than uh, Cole Smith, but um, I could see it being a tough fight. I'm going to still go with Jack Shore. I just think he, he fights a little smarter. He fights a little bit more professionally, but I, I can't – I don't know about laying minus money against Fight Ready. Um, and I do think Azor kind of had a good performance his last fight. But I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with Jack Shore by – I'm going to say a close decision. <laughs> I mean, man, this one's tough because it's like Jack Shore's game. I mean, usually he's coming out here. He's taking these dudes' backs. He's like the submission specialist from Wales, and I love that style. And he's, if he's able to come out here and submit a guy like Hunter Azure, who's never been subbed in his 10-fight career, um, he actually did get subbed in amateurs via triangle choke, but that was back in like 2014 plus. Who gives a shit about amateurs? But still um, – if Jack Shore is able to submit a guy like this, it'll be a huge feather in his cap. Not not because, you know, Hunter Azure is some big name, but just because of his re his wrestling credentials, him being from the USA, him not being no Helene Hernandez or Aaron Phillips. This is a step up for Jack Shore, but it's one I think he can pass. But like Shaq said, I agree with you on this one, Shaq. I think it's going to be a closely contested battle. I don't think it's just going to be one takedown. The fight's over shortly after. I think that Jack Shore is going to have to go through some stuff. I think we're going to have to find out exactly how good his stand-up is. And uh, I'm excited, man. So uh, the pick is Jack Shore, but it might, it might actually be a dogger pass situation at the betting window. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got Jorgen, the Mad Titan, De Castro. He's 6-2, and two, taking on Jarges Man Mountain, Danho, who's 5-1-1. One, and one. Currently, they got Jorgen de Castro minus 300. The comeback on Jarge's Danho is plus 225. Shaq, I know you've been waiting a long-ass time, a long, long time to talk about Jarge's Danho. I mean, you told me when this guy comes back, and uh, we already know what time of the year it is. Well, he's coming back. Now he's fake. He's facing Jorgen. What do you think? Yeah, you know, look, Danho is a quitter. I mean, there's no... Uh... 
I mean, and he's also a weasel because he he's going to try to, you know, he likes to play this game with the, the hand on the ground, the hand not on the ground. And look, Christian Colombo lost a point. They, you know, they tried to backdoor Danny O, but they knew uh, they knew Dan Ho was milking it. So at least the refs got it right on this one. But yeah, look, I have I don't really have much positive to say about Dan Ho besides, I, well, I guess he's big. I mean, <laughs> you know, no, he's got he's got a fantastic ability to get a DQ win. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's his best skill. I, other than that, I really don't got nothing, nothing positive to say skill wise. I mean, the dude's ducking his head down. He, ah, that dude's a complete mess, man. Um, oh, I mean, honestly, worse than Ron. Like, I literally have nothing positive to say skill wise. I mean, he's big. Um, <laughs> but uh, Jorgen De Castro, look, I'm not trying to sit here and act like he's anything special either because he's not. But one thing's for damn sure, he's better than Jarge's Dan Hall. And, uh, I mean, he knocked out Justin Taffa. Like, there's still got to be something there. I think that, you know, he can earn a second UFC contract because I think he's fighting for his contract. I mean, when, when we look at the guys that he lost to, I feel like there's some reason. And, you know, at least there's a reason that he didn't pull the trigger. I mean, Greg Hardy and, and Boy Philippe, I mean, those are, are two big bangers, man. Imagine, I mean, you like you like Carlos Boy Philippe in a cage with the uh, – with Dan, oh boy, that, that's gonna get, that's gonna get ugly. You know, Greg Hardy too. I mean, that's gonna. I'm talking like f- first minute knockout. So, um, I don't know what Dano's been up to. He strikes me at look every once in a while. The UFC signs a complete joke, whether it be uh, Jarvis Danho or um, man, who's, a, who's another like. Colombo, like every now and then, they there's one just complete joke in the basket, and and I think it's Jarjus Dan Holy. He hasn't fought in God knows how long. Um, uh, let's just see how. I mean, I don't, I I don't know, I don't know what to say about him. I mean, he doesn't fight. He tries to stall and get DQs. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm gonna go with Jorgen De Castro to low kick him and just win the fight. I don't know how whether. It, if I mean knockout or something, I don't know. I mean, look, basically, I'm curious to see if the Jarge's Danho by DQ uh, is a is a sharp bet. You know what I'm saying? Because, <laughs> dude, he like you know how we talk about how Santiago Ponzinibbio is so good with his eye pokes that he can disguise them like in the middle of his combinations. Well, this guy Jarge's Danho is so damn good at playing that you know one hand on the mat, uh, play the game type thing that. I mean, it can happen at any point in the fight. And Jorgen's one of these guys that, look, he's had less than 10 pro fights. Jorgen could totally get baited in to throwing one of these illegal knees. And he could get DQ. We've seen a lot of DQs lately. So um, <laughs> that's what I'm worried about here. But that being said, this guy, Jarges Daniel, he'll come out hard the first three minutes. But after that, he just tries to survive. He runs away. Um <laughs> Man, it's crazy how much he drops to a knee every single time he's in any kind of clinch position. Jorgen's got very hard leg kicks. His get-up game is getting better. It's just a matter of learning how to pace himself. You know, Again, he's had less than 10 pro fights, and the biggest issue in the Greg Hardy fight was he came out swinging those first three minutes, and then he kind of had nothing left. And the Felipe fight, I think Felipe is just a better fighter than him. This is such a winnable fight. I think he's going to come out here. I think he's going to chop down these legs. I think he's going to go upstairs with something big, and I think he will be the first man in UFC history to officially finish uh, Daniel. Because in my opinion, Daniel Omelanchuk finished him. I mean, Shaq and I know Daniel Omelanchuk finished him. I mean, that fight did not go to the final 
NFL because Jar just got finished. Um, but somehow they called it a they, call, they called it a majority decision instead of a. It's funny. It's like you look it's on like paper. You went to a technical he, he went, decision, right? He went to a technical decision and to a majority draw. It's like, damn, like on paper, it's like, man, he, he's been doing decent. But then you watch those fights. It's like, yeah, it's like cut, cut, cut. Yeah, so, yeah. I, yeah. Mean, look, look, <laughs> I, I was I, I mean, when you're out here quitting against guys like Christian Colombo, like like I mean, I, I faded Christian Colombo against uh, Marcelo Gome because I was like, dude, Christian Colombo is the worst heavyweight I've ever seen. <laughs> like, you know, remember dudes like Ron Potts? Like, those are the type of dudes I put Dan Ho in there with that category. Like, the Juan Potts's and the uh, the Surreal Askers. What ha- whatever happened to my boy Surreal Asker? He got cut? Yeah, I think uh, they got rid of my my favorite Damn. French heavyweight until uh, <laughs> Surreal uh, Gan joined the UFC. <laughs> yeah. He's gone. So I, I'm going to go to Castro, probably a, a knockout. And, and I think he's going to hurt him with those big leg kicks and eventually go upstairs with something. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between John McDessey, who's 17 and 7, and the newcomer, Ignacio Baamondes, is 11 and 3. Currently, they got Ignacio Baamondes, minus 185. The comeback on John McDessey is plus 160. Fantastic uh, entry-level fight for Ignacio Baamondes here. So, look, John McDessey. Um, so, you know, this is one of these guys that I got to give him a lot of credit. He's been in the UFC like a decade, man. He's been in the UFC a long time. For some reason, he's survived. Um, he's done his thing. The, the, the issue with him is that certain matchups stylistically are going to give him fits, and I think this is one of those matchups because, you know, John McDessey's gotten to the point now. He's had a couple broken jaws, um, you know, he, he doesn't really care about, you know, fighting with his heart. It's really about if he's going to outskill somebody and there's not going to be much resistance, he's going to come out there and win those fights. That's just not the case here. I mean, physically speaking, Ignacio Baamondes, he does have the 12-year age advantage. He's 12 years younger. He does have the 7-inch height and reach advantage. But m- more importantly than that, John McDessey has never landed a takedown in his 17 UFC career, 17-fight UFC career. He's going to stand and, and strike, but his style of standing and striking is to kind of run around and throw sidekicks. And that just does not seem like a way to beat a kid like Ignacio, who, he, you know, one of the biggest criticisms we've had for the Latino fighters, it's never been about their heart. It's never been about their fighting spirit. It's always been about their training situation. You know, you look at a kid like Jesus Pinedo, who was the last guy that John McDessey beat, you know, and yeah, he's a Peruvian warrior. He's got a lot of heart. But one mistake that... uh that Jesus Pinedo made was he never moved to the United States. He, he kept training in Peru where, look, they, they got heart, but over there in, in Latin America, the training is just not caught up to what it is over here. That's why you look at a guy like Marlon Chito Vera, as soon as he moved to the States, now he's out here knocking out guys like Sean O'Malley, and he's got a bunch of other big wins. And guess what? Ignacio Baamondes moved to the United States when he was 16 years old. So we don't have to worry about him training in Chile where, you know, where the training is just not as good as, as it is here. He's over here in Chicago training with Bilal Muhammad, with Lewis Put the Guns Down Taylor, with Yair Rodriguez, Mike Valley, the striking coach. So he's in here with the right people, and he's only 23, 24 years old. So you're going to see these big leaps every single fight. 
And I see these glimpses here and there of a guy that could be something. It's just more about, you know, he's kind of green, so he's got to keep developing. But I'm seeing these slight incremental improvements every single time. And I asked uh, Lewis Taylor, you know, the PFL middleweight champion about Ignacio. What he, what he told me was, look, once this kid hits his stride, he is going to be a problem for a lot of people. And you watch his last loss, and firstly, um, you know, he was only like 21 at the time, but you watch the loss, and the kid he was fighting was this Mexican warrior who was literally throwing bomb after bomb after bomb at him, and they had an amazing back-and-forth fight, and it just seemed to me like a little more output from Ignacio, just a little more seasoning, he wins that fight all day. So I think most of his losses, like, if you if you look at it and you scout the two prospects, you say, hey, who's going to go further? Well, look, Ignacio's in the UFC now. So I, I think it's a case where you just got to give him time to develop, and this is a perfect entry-level fight for him to come out here be the longer striker, not have to worry about any takedown attempts, and go out there and knock out a guy who's been knocked out more than once, a guy who's had a broken jaw more than once. And also, on a side note, if we're not, you know, I'm not going to come out here and break bro code or anything like that, but uh, if you guys heard why John McDessey got kicked out of Rufus Sport, I mean, we could make headlines on every single MMA website right now if we really wanted to, but I'm not going to do all that. So just know uh, John McDessey, uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, don't 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 mess with that guy. Uh, I got Ignacio Bahamondes first round knockout, man. I think he counters him with something big. I, I I think he comes out here. I think he makes a statement, and we can talk about fading Ignacio. You know, maybe his first wrestling test, maybe his first you know tough fighter test. But I think he's passing this test Saturday uh, afternoon, and I think he gets a knockout as well. Yeah, yeah. Look. I think McDessey, look, on paper, it would honestly seem like a fight that McDessey could take on paper, you know, because, I mean, like his losses are the good guys. Um, Trinaldo, Cerrone, uh, you know, guys that have actually done something. So this kid, uh, definitely McDessey is the toughest guy this kid's fought. I really wasn't that impressed with this dude, uh, Ignacio, up until maybe like the last couple of fights. Uh, I definitely think he improved because he beat the dude that knocked out Yemi. Um Chris Brown. Uh, yeah, he be and I thought that was a I thought that was like okay, I was like he looks UFC caliber here. You know, at first I was a little skeptical, but in that fight I definitely saw a lot of improvements to uh to let me know. Look, his competition level is low, 100%. But McDessey, you know, I kind of feel like McDessey might be able to drop to 45s, but hey, maybe that's me. He just kind of seems like a little small like to uh be in the pocket against some of these guys, but at the same time, look, Trinaldo is just a completely uh, completely different level. I think that McDessey can be beaten, like you said, with the volume, the forward pressure. It just comes down to Ignacio not, you know, feeling the UFC jitters, not being gun-shy, because if he is hesitant, what you don't want is a, uh, a point-fighting battle at, at a minus 200 or whatever it is, you know. So I, uh, I'm i going to go with Ignacio as well. I just think he, he's got a lot of more momentum uh, McDessey, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really know how to, to describe because I don't think he's a bad fighter. I just think that he uh, just, yeah, like you were saying, you know, certain matchups. Ignacio, one thing I did like with the Chris Brown fight is the, the volume was there. I personally had him winning every round of that fight. I know it was a split decision, but um, I actually thought he won every single round. Um, but yeah, I think he's just going to outland him, just give more effort. 
um, kind of wanted a little bit more um, in there. But I, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a closely contested point battle. But I'm gonna go with Ignacio as well. Now, next up in the bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Norma Dumont. She's five and one, and Aaron Blanchfield is six and one. Currently, they got. Looking for these odds here. Here we go. It's at the bottom of the page. Norma Dumont minus two fifty to come back on Aaron Blanchfield plus two ten. Shaq, I'm gonna let you take this one first, but I'm gonna preface it by saying Norma Dumont came in at 139 pounds. She missed weight by by three pounds, and not only that, Aaron Blanchfield is moving up a weight class for this fight. So there was already a size advantage for Norma Dumont, but now there's even more of a size advantage here. Uh, do you think that makes a difference in this fight? Yeah, big time, man. I right, look, I, I, I I've seen Blanchfield fight. She fought. Uh, I've seen her fight Tracy before, um, and it, like, it was a close fight. A lot of people thought she won. I mean, there's a case to be made that she won. Um, but man, this is another case of where I think. Uh, but I mean, look, she's a big underdog, and and so you know, I, I maybe it's one. Of, I, I definitely gonna pick Dumont. I just think there's too many factors going against Blanchfield, and but just in general, like for future references. Like, this is one of those things where these prospects, like her, um, she's an example, or um, you could say Macy Barber, or just, I can't think of everyone right now, but just, like, when these prospects, like, you know, she's so hyped, we've been hearing things about, you know, we've heard this name Blanchfield for a while, but, like, honestly, man, when I watch her fights, I really, I mean, yeah, she's got some good jujitsu for sure, but, you know, I don't really see her being, like, this bona fide top, uh, you know, title challenger or someone that's like top, you know, this surefire top 10 or like future champ, what all these people are saying. I honestly don't see that. I see, I see a lot of holes in her striking. She's very small, especially in this matchup. Um, you know, she's got some good little jujitsu. I guess that would be her, her path to victory here. But I honestly think Norma Dumont might have a higher ceiling, man. Norma Dumont, if, if Norma Dumont could get her, her diet and her, her, you know, weight thing, in order, I, I mean, she throws with big haymakers. You know, you know, uh, we we are advocates of you know the power in some of those female divisions. I mean, she slugs and she's got big time power. She's got good kicks. She switches stance. Um, she was out out wrestling Ashley Evan Smith as well. I mean, it was thirty twenty six across the board. It was, I was much better uh, from the first fight, and she fought at one forty five the first fight. So, I, I think that there's a chance. Uh, She's still young too, only like what six fights. So I think Norma Dumont, man, if she uh, keeps improving, like she might be the person that we need, might need to be talking about. Uh, I mean, she throws with reckless abandon, like kind of like uh, kind of like you know a lot of these like Marina Rodriguez or uh, Myra Bueno Silva, like they, they. I mean, these Brazilian girls, some of them, these she's a Sanda a Sanda fighter, man. They throw hard, so she's gonna be my pick to win. I would actually be shocked if she if she uh hurt like hurt Blanchfield here like dropped her a couple times um I just I just don't think this is a good situation for Blanchfield I think she'll come back and get some wins for sure but just not on Saturday so I'm going with Norma Dumont yeah look I mean Blanchfield definitely deserves to be in the UFC I mean she's got a win over Kay Hansen who's in the UFC Victoria Leonardo who's in the UFC had that close fight with Tracy Cortez who's in the UFC so no doubt about it Aaron Blanchfield you earned this UFC opportunity however 
she's not in the right weight class. You know, there's weight classes for a reason. She should be at the flyweight division. Not only is she taking on a big uh, bantamweight who dropped from featherweight, this big bantamweight just missed weight. It's coming in close to 140 pounds on weigh-in day. Who knows what she's going to weigh on fight day. And in a fight like this where the the skills might be kind of close, size is going to matter here. So I also got Norma Dumont in this fight. Most likely a decision, but... Maybe a finish along the way, too. I mean, like, I know Ashley Evan Smith took those shots, and Ashley Evan Smith ain't the best, but Ashley Evan Smith is actually a bantamweight, right? Like, Ashley Evan Smith, Smith beat a guy once. <laughs> Straight up. Like, we're talking about here in uh, in Blanchfield. Like, she's a, she's a flyweight in every sense of the word, my friend. So, Size will matter in this matchup. I'm going to go normal Dumont to get it done. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we've got a matchup between Scott Scotty Holtzman. He's 14 and four. He's taking on Mateus Gamrot, who's 17 and one. Currently, they got Mateus Gamrot minus 240. The comeback on Scotty Holtzman is plus 200. So, Man, Mateus Gamera had a lot of hype coming into his uh, UFC debut. He was the KSW champ champ. And I, I got to admit, man, I was very underwhelmed uh, with that UFC debut performance against uh, Guram Kutate Ladze. You know, I felt like a lot of those initial takedown entries were from a mile out. Um, I felt like the volume on the feet was just kind of not there, man. I, so... I was kind of like, man, like this ain't the guy I remember from the KSW days. So was it just a matter of maybe the UFC jitters? Was it a matter of, hey, there's a USADA testing program here in the UFC? Was it that Guram maybe actually is pretty good? Like, I'm not sure. Guys. I mean, I ain't, no, we'll see how good Guram really is. You know, Guram lost to Oliver Endcamp, right? So we'll see how Guram, how good Guram really is when he fights uh, Don Madge his next fight. But as far as this one's concerned, look, Scotty's the vet here, man. Scotty's been there. He's done that. He's been in the UFC a long-ass time. I was at his debut against Anthony Christodoulou, and he's got some good wins along the way. He beat Jim Miller. He's He went to – he had a nice war with Drew Dober. So he's fought UFC-level competition. The biggest concern here is when you go back and you watch that Nick Lentz fight. Now, Scotty definitely he, – he fucked up Nick Lentz's eye, and he landed a lot of damage on Nick Lentz. But, man – he can be pushed up against the fence. He can be taken down. And that's my concern here against Mateus Gamera. So I'm going to go with Gamera to get it done. But, man, Shaq, honestly, man, I'm not sure if I'd want to lay minus 2-5 in this spot. Now, I'm not going to sit here, call it dog or pass, um, because that clear path for Gamera is there. But let's just let's just say I won't be surprised if, if Scotty's got something for him here. Yeah, man, I kind of I kind of feel very strongly about this one. I, 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 if you guys go back to Matus, uh, Mateus Matus Gamrat's, uh, my breakdown for his fight with uh, Kudaladze, I was I, I was kind of laying into him a little bit, man, because I watched tape on him, man, and and I think I was on the record to say that this guy's record's fake, and I think his record is very very padded, and I and I've seen that uh, in a lot with. The, with the KSW fighters, especially like Ariane Lipsky, you know, she had this very, like, I'm telling you, Matus Gamrot, in my opinion, look, he's got an opportunity to prove himself, but in my opinion, this guy is severely, severely overrated. When you look at his uh, wins against Norman Park, I mean, look, I haven't been hearing good things about Norman Park uh, around, uh, along, kind of similar to McDessie. I'm not going to get into details, but 
I haven't he been hearing the good, the, the best of things. And I mean, Mate it's not like Mateus went out there and beat his ass. I mean, the fights were close. I mean, he, one was a draw or some or something happened in one of the fights. I can't forget. But uh, but like Matus Gamrod, in my, my opinion, is one of the more overrated fighters to come into the UFC, in my opinion, in, in quite some time. I, I'm glad you brought up the Kudaladze thing here because one thing I want to like, firstly, Scotty's a bigger underdog here than he was against Dariush. It makes absolutely no sense to me. Uh, look, Scotty, yeah, he's pushing 40. He's old. He, he just got knocked out, all that good stuff. But he's fought uh, just a different intensity fight, in my opinion. Guram Kudaladze, I watched that fight a couple of days ago. And Guram Kudaladze, no offense, ain't shit. But he's just an average old blow. Like, he, he's going to be a... A uh, 500 fighter, you know, like that's his ceiling to me. And and Gamrot lost to him, who he was like seven and two. That's how you know that 18 and one record was completely, uh, you know, fraud. You know, fraud. You know, just uh, KSW does a very good uh, job of you know building their champions up. And, and I mean, look at the other guy they got. Uh, uh, what's his name? Remember that champ they had, and then like they started giving him good competition, and he started getting knocked out. Uh, Kaladov. Not him, but the other one, the tatted dude, the tat, uh, tatted up guy. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about. What the fuck is his, his name? name man? Like McCall uh, something. Yeah, man. yeah. I'm yeah. about to figure it out here in a second. Uh, the guy that fought Scott Askham, right? Yeah, him, him. Yeah, he, he's got he's like tatted up, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michael Maturla, Maturla. Michael Maturla. Michael Maturla. Like, I think that some of these KSW look KSW is a regional promotion. Sorry to break everyone's hearts, but it ain't this world champion. Like we shouldn't be we shouldn't be calling their champs world champs. I'm sorry. Like uh, Gamro does not approve of this 18 and one record. He lost to a seven and two average guy in my opinion. I think he's getting knocked out on Saturday night by Scotty. I think even you know we want to say Scotty can be grappled and sure Gamera, but you know I, I just don't see some of them low singles working on Scotty man. Like some like you were saying were from a mile out. I I just see like Nick Lentz. Is, it, I mean just like Nick Lentz has actually grappled real people before. Like Mateus Gamera ain't grappled no one significant. Like he's been fighting these bums in Poland like. I'm, uh, I'm sorry, like Nick Lentz. I, I saw Nick Lentz and Arnold Allen and Mosvar like have like a good fight. Like I, I think like Nick Lentz ain't no bitch. Like I, uh, and then and, you know it was a struggle, man. It was like Scotty Everett, like Nick Lentz, you know, rarely settled on top of him. He just kind of clinged on to him. I don't think Gamrot's as strong. I don't think his controls as strong. I don't think he's got a guillotine game like that. Um, and then you know the dark. I mean, Darius is on quite the streak right now, man. Um, who was his other losses? I'm Dober. Like, these guys are on a different level. I'm going with Scotty by knockout, man. I think this guy, Gamrot, is not hyped up to be. So we'll see what happens. You know what's interesting? Just on a side note, Gamrot's got a way of intimidating guys. Like, um, in that Norman Park fight, like, after the fight, after he got his ass beat, Norman gets on the mic and starts apologizing to Gamrot. And then in that Guram fight, Guram gets on the mic and he's like, no, no, you won, brother. So it's like, does, does Gamrot have like some kind of like pull outside the cage? Like, is he a connected individual? I'm, I'm kind of curious about that just on, on a side note. Because like, why why is two fights in a row all these guys like apologizing to him and well, praising I him think, and doing uh, all these things? Well, a lot of people think that on that fight um, against, they think it was a robbery. I mean, look, it was a close fight, 100%, but I don't think that, 
it was a robbery. I mean, Gamera underperformed. I mean, he was like minus three something. You know, so I, I just <laughs> you didn't look I, no I, minus three nothing. I, I mean, I was saying it. I, I mean, I should have bet Kudalai, but I wasn't impressed with him either. But I remember if you go back to his uh, debut, I was like, yo, this new Gamera's record is fraudulent, man. Like he ain't like I'm looking at these dudes' records that he fought, and I'm like, this dude's fourteen and two. Like you know, like you know, like. Uh, no offense to Mason Jones, but because I actually can vouch for Mason Jones, like I actually think he's gonna go on to have a good career. But like for example, when he fought Mike Davis, like he, you know, we said look at the competition Mike Davis has been in there with, and and Mason Jones had beat good dudes with records. But I mean, you look at a couple of them, and it was like this this dude's ten and one. Wow, you know, hey, uh. <laughs> like you know, some some of these ten and ones, fourteen and twos, man, they're fraudulent, man. Yeah, I mean, like ten and one in KSW is like eight and five over here in the. Yeah, exactly, 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 exactly. You know, I I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, man. But you know, it is what it. <laughs> like try try yeah. try like try getting a ten and one in Texas. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it ain't <laughs> happening. <laughs> try getting a ten and one record down here. You know, so, yep. Next up in the 55-pound division, we got a matchup between Jim A10 Miller. He's 32 and 15, and Joe Solecki is 10 and two. Currently, they got Joe Selecki minus 240. The comeback on Jim Miller is plus 200. Jim Miller, most fights in UFC history. Legend of the sport. Love the guy. Um, since 2016, however, he hasn't won a single fight that's gone past the first round. Um, and I, I just got to praise the kind of warrior Jim Miller is. I mean, we already loved him as a fighter, but just as a person, you know, going through the Lyme disease, still fighting in the octagon, still getting those first-round finishes. Tip my cap to a guy like that. Uh Hall of Famer in my book. I don't give a fuck what no one says. Uh, I got nothing you but know, good things to say. Man, if Jim Miller doesn't end up in the Hall of Fame, that'll be that'll be sad. <laughs> I, I I agree, man. You know you know he submitted Du Bronx, right? Like he's yeah. he's done some shit in his career, man. So it, it's one of these things where Joe Selecki, um, he's a fantastic specialist. He's a good black belt in jujitsu. His stand up starting to catch up, um, and he's a young, confident guy. He's hungry. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's humble. He's intelligent. He comes from a good regional scene um, down here in the south. You know, he's fought good guys here. He fought uh, Nicholas Mata. He actually turned down a fight with our guy, uh, Robert Hale, but he's been in there with good guys here. Um, I think it's another question of getting past the first round. He gets past the first round, and the odds, you know, go even higher in um, Selecki's favor. But don't write off the possibility of him submitting Jim Miller early either. So it's really about... Joe Selecki sometimes in these stand-up exchanges, you know, in the past he's closed his eyes and it hasn't looked the prettiest. But I think he's getting a little sharper. I think he's getting a little better. Look, stand-up will never be his forte and someone will eventually put him out. I, I just kind of feel like the legend Jim Miller, you know, I, I, I was seeing those love handles in that Vince Pichel fight. I'm seeing him start to age a little bit. I think Joe Selecki's catching him at a good time. Um, so I'm going to go Selecki, but uh, all, all due respect to the legend Jim Miller. Damn, don't get on the dead, Bob, man. Jim got kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> but no, nah, man, I think, uh, yeah, man, I actually I actually like Selecki, man, a lot more than I actually thought I would because coming into the UFC, because, you know, we know Selecki uh, or, you know, we know of him. And, and you know, we, we were hearing things that, you know, Joe doesn't like to get hit. And, you know, uh, I mean, it was true. I mean, he was closing his eyes in some of those exchanges. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw the Nicholas Mata fight, but he was winning that fight. And then, you know, one shot and he was uh, out unconscious, you know, so uh, viciously, <laughs> you know, so uh, I think that, uh, you know, he's got, man, I will say his stand up that he showed against Hubbard. And I know we're going to sit here and say Austin Hubbard, but I, I disagree with that 
take or just the the viewing of it like that, man. Because going into that fight, all I remember hearing was, "Oh, Marco Madsen couldn't finish, couldn't finish him, and <laughs> and, and Davi Ramos couldn't finish him. How is Selecki gonna finish him? He couldn't even finish Matt Wyman." Well, I mean, man, the improvements that he showed in that fight, because I, I, I never really viewed it so like he has a threat with the hands. But, I mean, I think Hubbard was Hubbard was like, yo, what the fuck? Like, who is this guy, man? Why is he throwing, uh, you know, punches? Why is he cutting these angles on me, man? I was surprised with the improvements in, in Selecki's stand-up. So I'm, I'm, you know, intrigued to see how he's going to, you know, build off that uh, against a guy like Jim Miller, who's fought the best of the best. And, you know, Jim, man, that first round, Jim... And Jim still got some stuff, man. Them them left kicks to the body, but you know, like you said, you get past that first round with Jim Miller, and uh, then he starts giving up those double legs. Then he starts giving up them single legs. Then he, you know, starts uh, closing his guard on bottom, and and, and you already know the deal. Jim kind of loses in similar fashion, pretty much like like in a similar way. Like he starts good, and then he's completely gassed, and then he's got nothing left. So, and I honestly think that. He's only got one path, in my opinion, to win this fight, and that's by knockout. He, I highly doubt he's going to submit Joe Selecki. I know he submitted some some serious dudes before, but I, look, Selecki, man, he's built a reputation, in, you know, in the southeast for his jiu-jitsu, man. So, uh, you know, he trains with um, John Salter, and then John Salter quietly is you know, number one ranked in, in Bellator, if I'm not mistaken. So um, – I'm going to go with Joe Selecki just by he's younger. I like his mindset, too. I think uh, he's very positive. And I just see the wheels falling off for Jim here soon at some point. You know, I thought Roosevelt would be able to do it. But, you know, Vince Pichel went in there and uh, did his job. And, man, I honestly thought that fight was too old, man. No offense to from hell. Uh, from hell, Vince Pichel. But, you know, it, it looked like it was two 40-year-old guys in there banging up. I think a younger guy can make Jim look a lot, you know, a lot of, of a lesser version. So I'm going to go with Joe Selecki. Now, before we talk about Mike Perry versus D-Rod, everybody do us a favor. Hit the like button and hit the subscribe button. We truly appreciate it. Thank you all so much for being here with us. So next up in the welterweight division, we got a match between Platinum Mike Perry is 14 and 7 and Daniel D-Rod Rodriguez is 13 and 2. Currently, they got D-Rod, minus 140. The comeback on Platinum, Mike Perry, is plus 120. Good fight. Uh, this is They're probably going to stand and trade for a good bit, and uh, I'm very excited about it. So Mike Perry is one of these guys that he's a 500 fighter in the UFC. He's 7-7. Seven and seven. That means he's hit and miss. That means that you know sometimes he's going to win, sometimes he's going to lose. Literally flip a coin. Um, and he's been in there with some serious competition. I mean, he, he gave uh, Vicente Luque a real fight. Went to a split decision with Vicente. Beat Alex Cowboy. Beat Paul Felder. You look at his losses. Santiago Ponzinibbio, Cowboy Cerrone, Jeff Neal. I mean, these are real dudes at, at welterweight. Um, and that last fight with Tim Means, I actually bet on Tim Means at dog money. And I'm not going to sit here and act like Mike Perry did not make me sweat every single second of that fight. You know, especially when he took Tim Means back in the first round, especially in rounds two and three when he's throwing some some haymakers at Tim Means' chin, man. It's just Tim Means luckily had the volume advantage and was able to go out there and execute the game plan that's been laid out uh, by Alan Juban back in the day of how to beat Mike Perry, which is to out-volume him. Now, Daniel Rodriguez does have good hands. He could follow a similar thing. It, it, it's just that I like D-Rod a lot, but there's certain things that I, I still need to see more proof of how good he truly is because it's like I kind of expected more in that Gabriel Green fight. Now, you look at the numbers, 
175 strikes landed. That's that's great. And you land that many strikes against Mike Perry, there's a good chance you win the decision. But if you actually watch the fight itself, I kind of wanted, I kind of expected a little bit more from D-Rod there. You look at his fight against Dwight Grant, D-Rod got knocked out in the first round. I don't care what no one says. The follow-up punch woke him up, um, but he still got knocked out, um, ended up coming back to win it. So he can be knocked out. And um, also, in addition to that, the Dalby fight. I mean, the numbers say he outlanded Dalby, but you watch the fight and it's like he didn't quite do enough. And you just want to see... You just want to see a little bit more, and but you know, Dalby's a guy. It's it's so interesting. It's like he'll get finished in the first round by Jesse Ronson, but then he'll beat Zaleski, Alex Cowboy, and go to a draw with Darren Till. So it's it's hard well, to cap some of the. Go ahead. Well, well, the thing is, man. Turns out Jesse Ronson was on everything under the sun, man. So maybe <laughs> uh, maybe Dalby Dalby didn't have. I mean, he fought a dude that tested positive for like all type of shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a he didn't have a chance in that fight. Jesse was like Jesse Ronson was like fuck this. I'm getting my UFC win, man. <laughs> I don't give a shit what I have to do to get it. <laughs> and, and and now his win got overturned. His 50k bonus got returned. Like man, I, I feel bad for him. But look here with Perry, um, Perry. I know that he's got the this personality. He's a, a peculiar individual. You know, you might say what you want to say about him. I understand. But sometimes he's going to show up and win fights against good guys. And for this camp, he actually went to MMA Masters, which like, hey, I like I like to hear that. Like, you're training with Miguel Baeza. You got Colby Is Covington coming, in the room. Are him, are him and Covington friends now? I, I mean, listen, <laughs> like, I, I don't like buy half of these beefs anyways. Like, I don't really think that Perry and Till hate each other like they say they do. Like, I, I think they're actually boys. But like, um, yeah, so he's been doing this one at MMA Masters. Let's see what they can do with him. Like, at least he's not in the garage hitting pads with his girl anymore. Like, that's a step in the right direction, don't, right? So, don't, don't, dis, don't disrespect Coach Latore like that. <laughs> coach, coach of the year, <laughs> <Latore>. <laughs> So, look, I, I see this being a close fight. I mean, the path to beat Mike Perry has been there for a while. I mean, if, if D-Rod's going to come out here, follow that volume style, and beat Mike Perry like that, I understand it, but... Man, um, not not saying that D-Rod has a suspect chin. I'm not saying that at all. But Perry can crack. Perry can potentially put him down. Mm-hmm. I just kind of see this being like a coin flip fight. Like, if, if D-Rod was the dog, I'd be taking D-Rod. But he's not. So I'm going to take Perry here uh, to get it done. Uh, it's going to be a very close uh, nail-biting type fight. Man, I, I never uh, I never thought I, I'd, I'd ever see the day where I'm actually – I actually think Mike Perry is in a good place, but I, I think he's in a good place, man. I, I mean, from the last couple of months, man, Perry's been an angel. I mean, that's just the honest <laughs> truth about it. I mean, ever since he had his kid, I mean, he apologized for all of his uh, his dumb comments over the years. I mean, he uh, got with the gym, you know. Look, he's la- and I get into his last couple of fights because I'm actually apologized to Mickey Gall as well. You know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are this week are like, how could you bet a guy that lost around the Mickey Gall? But man, I watched that fight the other day. I ain't gonna lie, Mickey, man. Mickey, he's, he's got, he got better, man. Mickey got, he's gotten better. Like, I actually think Mickey might be able to fight some guys. Like, if he chills out, like, he needs to stop taking fights with Perry and, and Miguel Baeza and shit. But like, if you, you know, <laughs> Make him fight like somebody else, man. I, Mickey can fight, man. Um, hey, who you got? Mickey versus Gabe Green. 
Like that's a that's a like he could he could win that fight. Like like those like Mickey can fight. Like I was I was actually like I know he got his ass whooped, but I, I was like like it, and Mike didn't even train for that. Like the last two fights, Mike hasn't even trained for. He's been eating like shit. He he's been drinking. He, he like the last two fights, Mike's been doing himself such a disservice for so long that it's like it's so hard to even at least going into this fight. It's so hard to 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 base like at least his skill assessment because the dude's not even the last time he showed up for real for real for real was the Vicente fight and you saw how close that fight was I mean that was kind of like a Super Bowl for him at the time because the winner was gonna get a big uh, a big opponent at 170 and you know things he lost his split decision I think he got really deterred off that and then you turn that around into going to have to fight Jeff Neal and I mean Tim Means I mean the the competition I know Daniel Rodriguez uh what Tim means ass 100%, but I'm I'm kind of with you on this one, man. I, I'm a little skeptical on E-Rod right now because, you know, the like you said, the Dwight Grant fight, and Dwight Grant was coming off a serious layoff as well, and, you know, he got dropped in that one. The Gabe Green fight, I agree, you know, I, I felt like the margin could have, I mean, he won every round, but I felt like the margin, they were like, you know, close, not close rounds, but like, you know, they were there, there I mean, Gabe Green definitely had his moments. Um and then you look at the last one, Nick Dalby, I just thought brought a different attack. And the matchup there is that uh Dana Rodriguez doesn't really throw straight punches. You know, Tim Means Tim Means when you know when guys fight Perry like Juban and their south southpaws, they just stick with the with the one two, you know, straight punches down the middle as where D Rod kinda, you know, likes to swing hooks like kinda similar to Perry. And if they wanna do that, man, it, it could be a fifty fifty fight. So and one thing I man, Mike's grappling might honestly be the best part of his game. I actually think his grappling might be better than his uh than his striking. I think that he could honestly get some takedowns here. But you know, if this dude had a real camp, I mean he weighed in at 170. If he actually trained every single day, I mean MMA Masters, you know, like if you come to that gym, you gotta actually train. Um, I mean, they I from what I heard, uh I mean, you know, I heard he's been training with Miguel and and all these guys, man. So let's see, man. I'm gonna go with Mike Perry as well. I'm gonna say by knockout. I think Perry gets on track. I, I don't think he's getting enough credit for the Mickey Gall fight because I actually think Mickey Gall came to fight and Perry didn't even train for that fight. Um, and the last fight he didn't train as well. And he, I mean, it was a good fight. Like if he's giving them type of performance of the shit that he's been doing over the last couple of years, man. Like let's see what he does. You know, when he's fully focused. So real quick, the Blanchfield versus Dumont fight just got canceled. Um, they uh, they wanted to save Blanchfield, you know, from wait. So Norma, a bigger opponent. Norma Norma missed weight again. Yeah, she missed weight by three and a half pounds. Damn. So she just can't make one. She's too thick. She can't make one thirty five. Yeah, you already know the deal. You you, yeah. you already know what it yeah. is, Shaq. She you can't. Know? I mean, you can't cut into that. So <laughs> yeah, we, we we got love for uh, Norma Dumont over here. So wish her the best, and uh, hopefully okay. she can uh, get rescheduled soon. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Nina Nunez. She's ten and six, and Mackenzie Dern is ten and one. Currently, they got Nina Nunez minus one forty. The comeback on Mackenzie Dern is plus one twenty. So Shaq. Uh, this is another interesting fight because Nina Nunez was in a really interesting spot before, you know, her pregnancy and the layoff. Like she was the only person in UFC history to actually win a round against Tatiana Suarez. She also had a couple other good wins along the way. Beat Claudia Gadelia, which is a huge win for anybody in the weight class. She's got a very good calf kick game. Her uh, takedown defense and get up game is improving as well. And I even heard Dean Thomas say like back in the day, like, 
do like Nina Ansaroff, like in the gym, like she's like killing people. It's really about her just putting it together in the fights. And, you know, because you remember her debut against um, Juliana Lima and even the subsequent fight against Justine Keish didn't go her way. But now she started to put it all together. I, I guess my biggest question is obviously, you know, the same question that a lot of people have is how she going to come back, you know, first fight after the baby. I mean, she looks in tremendous shape uh, on her Instagram. It's just that, you know, a, a lot of these ladies come back their first fight and, um, after the baby and they don't look the same. They don't look as good. They kind of lay an egg that first fight back. And that's what I'd be worried about. Because one thing about Dern, look, the striking might not be the prettiest. She does have that one hitter quitter. I've seen her drop multiple uh, women before, but she's at least taking strides and, you know, doing the right things to improve. Like, you know, she's working with Jason Perillo, who's responsible for UFC champions, Michael Bisbing and BJ Penn. And is also responsible for Cheeto Vera's improvement. So she's working with the right people. I mean, obviously, her boxing ain't ever going to be as good as her jujitsu, but at least she's, you know, she's seeking to improve those areas actively. So I'm, I'm happy to see that, man. And uh, she's also fought four times since the last time Nina's fought. I, I guess my concern here is that Mackenzie ain't really much of a takedown threat. You know, she's more like, hey, if she can pull guard and sweep or you take her down, you're, you're in big trouble as well. But if you keep this standing like I think Nina's going to do, then it comes down to the technique of Nina versus the power uh, of Mackenzie Dern. So I think if Nina comes out here and if she, you know, pulls the trigger, if she doesn't have that, you know, let down spot, just had the baby, maybe a little gun shy. If she comes out here and pulls the trigger, keeps this standing, I, I think she's got a good chance to come out here and uh, win this decision. But I'm also I, I can acknowledge the improvements that Mackenzie Dern's made. And has been making like even Mackenzie during that first fight back from the baby didn't look good. Juliana Pena first fight back from the baby didn't look good. Alexis Davis, Sarah McMahon, I can go on. So that's a real concern. Um, but I do think the better overall fighter is Nina Androff. It's just one of these situations where if you're laying chalk on Androff and Mackenzie Dern takes her back, don't sit here and look me in the eye with a straight face and act like you're not about to shit your pants. So that, that, that's all I'm saying here. But I'll, I'll lean Nina Androff to win a, a close decision. Yeah, man. I, I think Nina Androff, you know, a couple of years ago was uh, was underrated. But, you know, I think she's still a good fighter. But, you know, she is a I think she might be one of the more popular picks this week, um, you know, coming off this baby. Uh, I, I don't know if it's the if it's the new the new last name or. Uh, you know. <laughs> but look, I think Nina Androff was good. But, you know, when, when she was on that room, man, she was kind of striking as the underdog and. You know, like she, I think the line opened up. Dern might have opened up like a big favorite, if I'm not mistaken. And pretty much everyone uh, is going against against McKenzie here in, in favor of Nina. Look, I think if this fight would have happened a couple of years ago, Nina is definitely winning. But I'm surprised at the confidence this week that she her timing is going to be, you know, A-OK -okay off the baby. Like you said, uh, you know, I've seen several moms in that first fight come back and they kind of, you know, look a little sluggish. And I think McKenzie's been so much more active. And one thing I wanted to say about McKenzie is uh, a thing with her, you know, early on in her career, she kind of had this thing where, uh, you know, there were some rumors out there that, you know, McKenzie might not, you know, <laughs> might not show up to practice too often. But I think that, you know, now, man, she's actually matured a lot. And look at her weight situation now. I mean, she used to miss weight by, you know, every single fight. Now she's, you know, showing up trim looking slim uh i think this is the best time to be on mckenzie dern personally i think this is a good spot a, spot, a good spot for her. i don't think she necessarily has to get the takedown but one thing i like about mckenzie is she rarely takes any back steps i mean 
she does duck her head down a lot and you know Andrew does throw the front kicks and the things up the middle like that but I think McKenzie, man, she's a bully in there. She'll move forward. She throws them big, uh, those big overhand rights. I think her boxing and her composure is getting a little better, and I'm going to take her to get this win. I actually think it could possibly be even a little more one-sided than people think. Um, I'm just surprised that everyone's got confidence in Nina like this to, to perform coming off the baby. Um you know, like you were saying, mentioning that Tatiana Suarez, she was the only one that went around. But at the same time, we cannot forget that. I think Suarez, like, fucked up her neck in the second round. And, um, you know, like, she she hasn't fought since. Yeah. So, um, like, from what I understood, like, Suarez had an injury, which maybe, you know, led Nina to him. But she did get injured due to fighting Androv. Okay, you could say that. But I'm going to go on Mackenzie Dern here. I think she's been more active. I think she's got more power, more forward pressure. I think that she's just going to be a little bit more comfortable at the start of things. I think it's going to take some time for Androv to to feel comfortable in there. And I just see Mackenzie Dern kind of bullying her moving forward and getting the better at least of the first two rounds and winning this decision. So I'm going to go with uh, Mackenzie Dern. Featured bout in the middleweight division. We got Smiling Sam Alvey, he's 33 and 14, and Julian Marquez is 8 and 2. Currently, they got. And Julian Marquez, minus 185, the comeback on Smiling Sam is plus 160. Shaq, this is interesting, man, because, like, on one hand, if you look to fade Sam Alvey every single fight and, you know, you consider Sam Alvey a long-term fade, then maybe it's just a system play to, to take Marquez in the spot. On the other hand, I'm not even going to front. Julian Marquez looked absolutely horrendous against Mackie Patolo, like to a point where like Matt Mackie was looking, they gave Mackie another shot in the UFC. You know, Mackie looked great in that fight until he got caught and to beat Sam Alvey, the blueprint's been out there since his UFC debut against Tom Watson. Um, keep him at range, kick him and run. You know, all you got to do is land more than Sam Alvey and you win the fight. Uh, He's got some very heavy counters against the fence. Obviously, you know about that counter right hook. He's knocked out a lot of people throughout his career with it. Um, so the, the the blueprints there for Marquez, I'm just not, bro. I'm just not convinced that he can execute it. Like, uh, I know Alvy's, you know, has seen better days. I know his chin ain't what it, what it once was, but like, I am not sold on Marquez being anything else other than an opportunistic finisher. Um, like the Phil Haas fight was a comeback win. The the Mackie fight was a comeback win. I just see this kind of being an ugly ass middleweight fight um, that could go either way. So for that reason, I'm going to take, I'm going to actually take Alvy for the first time in years. That being said, should, I mean, like, do you think maybe we should just take Marquez anyways, because Alvy is that long-term fade and the blueprint has been laid out for years on how to beat him. It's just that like, I don't know, man, Marquez, Marquez sketches me out, dude. So I'm going Alvy here to get it done, Shaq. Uh, you're muted, brother. Yeah, I think there's uh, some it's kind of some bad takes concerning Marquez's last fight because, firstly, you know, I mean, I'll admit, Mackie Patolo is, is like, in terms of, like, skills, like, in terms like, hand speed, power, like, he has things to work with it. And, I mean, Mackie Patolo kind of is winning every fight until he does something stupid. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Mackie Patolo might even start touching Dusko up here uh, in his next fight, and, you know, until until he does something stupid, you know? <laughs> you know, so I'm sure he's going to crack, maybe even drop Dusko. I mean, 
take him down. I mean, I mean, Mackey's got tools to work with. It's just you know when you put his when you put your arms around his neck, uh, he quits. So um, I think that and and what and and another thing the issue with that fight is I mean it wasn't like you know Julian was out here getting out volume. I mean what was what was going on? Mackey was taking him down. He was staying on him like glue. What, what's, what's Sam Alvey gonna do? Come out here and wrestle? You know <laughs> I think uh, I think like. You guys got to pay attention to the matchup here a little bit. So I I don't see it, Sam Alvey doing anything. And the one thing we can't forget, he's dropping back down to 185. So I remember a few years ago, um, he actually used to be in this face in this Facebook thing, um, uh, so this Facebook group. But like I just remember how much the dude. This is like around the times he was fighting Ramazan Amiv. I think he missed weight, and, and and I remember how much he used to complain about cutting the 185s, and that's why he went up to 205s. But uh, I guess he's cutting back down. Um, we'll see how he feels, but I'm actually going to go with Marquez. Look, he was coming off a layoff the last fight. He, uh, you know, I mean, Mackie Patolo, like I said, is good skilled. I wouldn't say he's good mentally, but skill-wise, I think he might be a lot more well-rounded than a guy like Sam Alvey. And when you look at Sam Alvey's last fight, his last two fights, you know, split against Ryan Spann, but, man, I honestly think, like, his two opponents, man, were kind of fighting themselves in a way. Like, I don't think it was, like, anything Sam Alvey did special. I think it was more so, like, I think Ryan Spann smoked, smoked a big blunt before he came out there. And and, and I think and I think Donald Jung didn't throw, you know. So I'm going to go with Marcus here. I think he's going to look a lot better. I think James Krause can, can you know, you know, implement that game plan in his head to just be more active here. Um, this guy's not going to be pressing you with takedowns and, and you know, doesn't have as fast hands uh, as Mackie Patolo, in my opinion. He's got power 100%, but honestly, like, when's the last time Sam Alvey knocked anybody out? I'll tell you when. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, tell me when the last time Sam Alvey knocked someone out. What, Pratchy, 2018. Pratchy. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, uh, I'm going to go with Julian Marquez here. And before we talk about the co-main event between Arnold Allen and Sodiq Youssef, do us a favor, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. We appreciate it. Now, Shaq, the co-main event of the evening in the featherweight division, we got our two favorite featherweight prospects. We got Britain's Arnold Allen. He's six and one. He's sixteen and one. Excuse me, taking on Nigeria's Sodiq Youssef, who's eleven and one. Currently, they got Super Sodiq minus one fifty. The comeback on Arnie Arnold Allen is plus one thirty. I mean, such an amazing fight. My two favorite featherweight prospects. On one hand, I love this fight because it's my two favorite uh, featherweight prospects and I get to find out who the better man is and it's just going to be an amazing fight. On the other hand, I hate this fight because one of them has to take their first UFC L, but that's what I love about the UFC. These guys don't get protected. We get to find out who the better man is uh, this early on into their careers. And I say this early on, these guys have been paying their dues for a while, man, so it really ain't that early on. I mean, the winner is going to get one step closer to... Uh, a title shot. So I'm super pumped for this fight. Uh, Arnold Allen, I would say that he has the cleaner hands. He's got the better boxing technique. But Sodiq Youssef has that Nigerian horsepower, man. He, man, when he hits guy, and he's got one of the best pull right counters I've seen in all of MMA. His calf kick game is on point as well. I'd even say that Sodiq Youssef has an edge in the grappling in terms of, you know, I think his top control is better. 
Um, his get-up game reminds me of like Jose Aldo. You saw when Feely got those double legs, and Feely gets double legs on like D1 wrestlers. Feely hits that double on a lot of people. That Feely double is about as underrated as that Cowboy Cerrone double. And when you saw Sodi Yusuf's get-up game, I was like, God damn, that's exactly the same get-up, uh, same get-up game that Jose Aldo used against Chad Mendes the second time they fought. Man, so that's some elite-level shit. You saw that Kimura sweep by Sodiq Yusuf, so. And then you see a guy like Arnold Allen. He choked out Mads Burnell, who a lot, a lot of people, n- not me, but a lot of people consider that guy. A lot of people think it's a crime that Mads Burnell got cut from the UFC. Um, so, hey, he submitted that guy. Y- y'all are high on. So, I mean, Arnie can grapple too. Man, this is such a good fight. So if I had to make one criticism for Sodiq, like because every fighter's got a weakness, right? Um, I would actually say it might be his chin. Um, I've seen him get wobbled in a lot of fights. I have seen him get knocked out before, but he's in such amazing shape that he can recover just like that. Um, and if you go on on Instagram and you check out the strength and conditioning program that Sodiq Yusuf does, a square fit, check out square fit when you guys get a chance. Holy shit at some of those workouts, man. Like, this guy can take your hardest punch and recover quick because of the kind of shape he's in. And then on Arnie's side, if you had to criticize something from his game, I mean, you can't criticize those clean hands. You can't criticize that fight IQ, the volume, the opportunistic submissions. Maybe he can get overpowered or out-wrestled at times. Like Maybe that's his weakness. He's got UK wrestling. He's from the UK, so that, 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 that's his weakness. But aside from that, these guys are two complete fighters. This is going to be a high-level fight. This could be a main event on a different card. So I absolutely love this fight. Um, I've always considered Arnold Allen to be a future top-five guy, but I've actually referred to Sodiq Yusuf as potentially a future title challenger, even a future champion. So I give a slight edge to Sodiq, but, I mean... It, the reason that I'm not going to pick Sodi confidently like I do against all these other guys is just because of how much I respect Arnold Allen, how good I think Arnold Allen is. I mean, both these guys have been money trains throughout their UFC careers. I mean, I max bet Arnie against Gil Melendez. I bet him against Nick Lenz. I even bet him against Makwan Amir Khani at Dog Money. And Sodiq, I think I've bet him every single UFC fight. So I, I, I'm, I absolutely love both these guys. I'm going to go with Sodiq to just slightly overpower him and edge this one out, but... It could go either way, and it's going to be an incredible fight. And the loser, man, the loser of this fight, I hope I get good odds on them in their next fight. Hopefully the loser gets to fight like Jeremy Stevens next. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? So I cannot wait. I'm going to go Sodiq Yusuf to get it done. Unfortunately, Jeremy moved up to uh, 155. So, you know, he was supposed to fight Arnie, but he uh, can't make 45s anymore. So, you know. Listen, I got Sodiq Sodiq and Arnie against Jeremy at 55 also. (laughs) Yeah, but I think, uh, yeah, look, like you were mentioning Sadiq's uh, get-up game, one thing I've been impressed about Arnie the last couple fights, because going into, like, his Jordan-Rinaldi fight, I remember everyone was betting Rinaldi, saying how, you know, because the Mads Burnell fight, Arnie can't wrestle this, Arnie can't wrestle that. But, I mean, look at his get-up game against Nick Lentz. I mean, Arnie, man, that was a grueling fight. Like I, like I was saying earlier with uh, Scotty Hots, I was like, Nick Lentz ain't no easy fight, like, I don't know whatever perception that came from, but like Nick, a fight with Nick Lentz is about to be a dog fight, man. Um, and, and then you got uh, Sadiq Yusuf. I mean, I've been high on these guys from the jump. I, I can't see myself fading either guy. Um, I, yeah, I agree. I think Arnold has better fight IQ, better hands, but 
one thing I've learned along the, uh, the years, man, African power can make up for a lot of things. And, you know, uh, they don't necessarily have to, you know, have the best technique or whatever, but it's just really it's something different in them in those guys, man. And and Sadiq man, he does have the grappling edge in this fight because uh I was actually surprised with his I, I didn't know he could grapple like that. Uh, I mean he got on top of Andre Philly um in crucial in crucial times in that fight, man. It was it was a closely contested fight and I was surprised that some yeah, like that Kamara sweep, I was like, damn, he uh I didn't know he could grapple like that, you know. So I think uh He's got an edge in that realm, um, and we're going to see who, because, look, if he fights the way he did against Mogli Benitez, another lefty, um, you know, kind of dropped him with the straight left, and I don't think there's any shame, because I think Mowgli's very underrated, but, you know, a guy like Arnie, uh, Arnold Allen could also do something similar to that as well, and I haven't really seen Arnold Allen rocked at any point in his UFC career, I mean, he... he if any, the only hole with Arnie has been this wrestling thing. I mean, that that's about it. You know, he's got the UK wrestling, um, but everything else is good. I'm actually gonna go with Arnie. I'm gonna go with the underdog, but I'm a I'm a sit back and, and enjoy this one. I just think Arnie's a little smarter, makes a, a slightly better decisions, and, and and I agree with the Sadiq Chin thing. I the only thing I don't like about Sadiq, it kind of seems like he goes limp at times. Um, kind of even in the Philly fight too. There was like a time where like. Yep. I think yep. Philly hit, hit him with like a left hook and he like like he dropped down for a second and I was like holy sh like Sadiq you good bro <laughs> like uh, I don't think they really realized it that much like the commentary but like I definitely saw a dude like briefly go limp but that's just me um, but I noticed I, too I was like I was like yo did he just go limp? <laughs> like but uh, yeah other than that man I think it's gonna be a good fight but I'm gonna go with uh, Almighty Allen. And you know you can't forget about you know you were mentioned in Sadiq's workouts. I mean, you ever seen Arnold uh, Arnold Allen's dad? I mean, yeah, fucking you see, you know, like imagine the type of workouts Arnie used to have to do, man. For sure, I, I just can't wait. This is truly. I mean, I'm already gonna tell y'all this is my fight to watch. Sorry, sorry if I'm ripping off your shack, because I mean, it's like. It's a no-brainer. We can both have the same fight to watch for this card because th this fight is so fucking good. But anyways, we're about to talk about the main event. Everybody watching, just do us a favor. Hit that like button. Truly appreciate it. Subscribe to this channel, and let's remember, keep going. Uh, real quick, you remember when uh, remember when Arnie did that thing a few years back in the UFC, like, completely, like, <laughs> and they just, like, completely forgot about it? No, that's all good, though. Yeah, that never happened. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Arnie's such an exciting fighter that that never happened. You know what I mean? So no big deal. <laughs> but anyways, main event of the evening in the middleweight division. We got Marvin, the Italian dream, Vittori, 16-3-1. And, and Kevin, the trailblazer, Holland, is 21-6. and six. Currently, they got Marvin Vittori, minus 350. The comeback on Kevin Holland is plus 290. So had that Brunson fight never happened... This line would be a lot closer, but the Brunson fight did happen. It exposed a lot. But at the same time, we kind of knew that there was a, a takedown defense weakness in, in Kevin Holland's game. Uh, we already knew that from the Darren Stewart fight. We knew that from the Brendan Allen fight. We knew that from previous fights, even the Maheta fight. So that wasn't really news to us. It, it was more so that, like, you know, we I love the talking and stuff. It's just he kind of took it too far in the Brunson fight. And Shaq and I even said that before the fact. Like, we were like, dude, the way he's talking going into this fight, like, like, um, there's no way I could possibly lose to Derek Brunson. Like, once I heard stuff like that, like, I was like, yeah, I mean, this guy. You know, 
You mean when he was making dildo comments and stuff? Yeah, he's talking about dildos and like, you know, <laughs> t- talking about how he made half a million dollars in 2020. Like, I think when you're when he was on that five fight win streak, when you're getting like video game type knockouts like he got against Jacare, I think his head kind of exploded. He lost his mind. Even Dana said he had a mental breakdown. But you see Holland this fight week and he's all business. You see him during that face off. He is all business. And one thing, you know, obviously styles make fights. We'll talk about how, how they match up because regardless of the talking, talking or no talking, Marvin Vittori is a tough fight for anybody in the middleweight division. Even the champion. We've seen them fight before. One judge thought Marvin won that fight. Uh, I don't know how, but he definitely won the third round. But look, Marvin's a tough fight no matter what. But at least Kevin is you know he's going to try to redeem himself here i think he's going to have a better showing and then one more thing i want to add marvin doesn't always shoot for takedowns marvin likes to bang and marvin also eats a lot of clean shots and he's got an incredible chin but the reason i got to bring up all this stuff is because we're talking about a minus 350 favorite right so i got to bring up every single factor and marvin's very hittable and kevin Kevin's got some nice strikes, man. Kevin's a good long striker, man. It's just that Kevin's so overconfident in his jujitsu that he gives zero fucks about stuffing takedowns. He ain't going to swim for underhooks. He's he's going to go to his back. It's just uh, when is Marvin going to shoot in this fight? Like, is it going to be right away? Like, let's already set the tone. Or is it going to be in key moments to steal rounds? Is he not going to shoot at all? Like, so I, I do favor Marvin. It's, it's just to what extent. So, like, this might sound crazy to some people. I, I think this might actually be a dog or pass situation at the betting window. If that Brunson fight what didn't just happen, he would not be plus 290 here. Um, I still think Marvin wins this fight. Um, I just don't think Marvin – I just don't agree with Marvin at minus 350 here. Um, so uh, Marvin is the pick, but if I were to bet a side, it would be Holland. Yeah, I'm a little more convinced on this one, man. I think – look, I like Kevin Holland. I think he's still got a bright future after – after Saturday, but this is just look. I said, look, this the, honestly going into his Brunson fight, the the tape was screaming Brunson that this this is a fight Brunson could win. I mean, I just think that everyone was having a hard time admitting it because you know Brunson's thirty eight years old. But I mean, look, Jacare, I, I don't know how long I've been saying it, but he's not the same guy. I mean, he's forty some years old. Personally, I think his BJJ and MMA is a little overrated. I, you know, I. I it is what it is, and I think, you know, those viral finishes can be detrimental at times, you know. They kind of, I mean, Kevin's head blew up to a point, and, and you know, I know he's coming in here humble, but I, I, I'd hope so. I, I'd hope he'd come in humble after the debacle that, uh, so I, I wouldn't toot his horn or praise him like everyone is, man. I think he, 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 he man, Marvin Vittori ain't playing no games, man. I mean, his opportunity for a shine, and, and and, you know, like you're saying, he's humble, but he's still, like, throwing in little stupid comments there, man, like saying Derek Brunson didn't do anything and, you know, the, the man did nothing, you know, and all this stuff, man. That's a, that's a little ignorance, man. So I, I still think that uh, in three weeks it's not enough to change his wrestling. And even if they stand, man, I think Marvin Vittori's boxing has gotten a lot better. And I'm not surprised at this rise that Marvin Vittori's having, man. I kind of saw this coming after the uh was it the Omari fight because he had he got suspended for the uh for some uh you know for some supplementation things or, or something like that he got suspended and and I kind of said you know he's so young like because you know the Adesanya fight man you know I think Adesanya got in his head a little bit you know how Adesanya gets in these dudes head sometimes and uh you know he can break them mentally a little bit I think Marvin was just kind of worn out the Omari fight you know, he had that break and he comes back and I'm not sure he's lost the, 
he's lost maybe like one round and since he's been back. So I I see Marvin honestly running through Kevin. I see a big gra- uh, big edge in the grappling. But man, I, and I also want to like people are saying he gasses and and all these things. I mean, if he was such a gasser, like what, what I mean, Omari Agmedov. I mean, I remember in the late rounds. I mean, Marvin Vittori won the late rounds there. He won the late rounds against Israel Adesanya. What, what was he? completely huffing and puffing fair against Jack Hermanson in the late rounds? I, I don't think so. So this whole Marvin Vittori is going to be completely gassed out thing. I think it's a long shot. I think Kevin's in over his head, man. I just don't think he's on this level yet. I think he look, look at the Darren Stewart fight. I mean, it kind of tells you what you need to know, whether you think he was injured or not. I mean, look, <laughs> Darren Stewart's like, I don't know what they got him ranked on topology, but I, I know I don't agree with it. I think they got him ranked like in the top 30, but in my opinion, he's like a top 50 type of guy. And I mean, the fight was close. Like, if you Marvin Vittori was actually scheduled to fight Darren Stewart at one point. Trust me, if you put Marvin and Darren Stewart in the same cage, man, the fight's gonna be over. It's gonna be over very fast, man. They were, <laughs> yo, so, sorry to cut you off, Shaq. They were actually scheduled to fight at one point. Yeah, I know. That's what I just said. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, so I was I was planning on betting Marvin in that fight, you know. And uh, I think that uh, – I just think it's a different – like, he was struggling against guys like that. He only beat Joaquin Buckley, average at best. A dude that looked like a Chia pet. Uh, what's his name? Um, Ontiveros. The Ontiveros. Like, come on. Like, we overhyped it. It's okay to admit it. Kevin Holland got overhyped, overblown. and. Uh, and unfortunately, I don't think this is a good situation for him, but I think he can bounce back uh, after Saturday night. He just needs to, you know, go back down to the, the Fluffy Hernandez level type guys. And I mean, he lost to Brennan Allen. Like, no offense. Like, you know, look, I like Kevin Holland, but he's not he's not top 10 level in my opinion. He's like fringe top, fringe top 15 as of currently. Maybe he could get to that top, top 10 level down the line. But I just think Marvin works too hard. He, he's paid his dues. He's young. He's... He's fought all these guys already. Like, like he's got the edge in BJJ wrestling, in tight boxing. In my opinion, like he's fought. He's, I see him running through Kevin. Man, uh, I'm gonna say by second round submission. I like it. Bold pick. I mean, not bold pick, but like confident pick. So good shit. Before we talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, everybody do us a favor. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. We truly appreciate it. Now, Shaq, we gotta talk about the fight to watch. And the fighter to watch. So, what is the fight to watch for UFC on ABC Two? My fight to watch is gonna be uh, the main event. I mean, look, Kevin Holland got to redeem himself from that debacle a few weeks ago. Um, I mean, I don't want to get refer to some of the comments he was making again, but like, <laughs> dude made a complete. He made a complete fool of himself, Daniel. Um, and, and I'm glad he's coming in here with this attitude, but. Best of luck to him fighting Marvin Vittori. And Marvin Vittori, you know, he's a guy that also talks a big game. I know the fans, a lot of the fans don't like Marvin. They think he's a little bit too much. He, you know, they don't like that he's questioning these Darren Till injuries. But y'all got to understand the type of guy my boy Marvin is, man. He's a meathead. He, I mean, he, he says he says stuff like this all the time. So I wouldn't uh, put too much, too much uh, stock into it. But, I mean, if he wins this fight, I mean, he's one win away from the title, in my opinion. You could honestly put him in there with a guy like Costa or if they want to rebook the uh, the Till fight, um, you know, things like that. But I think it's a, that's my fight to watch, man. 
Man, you already know what my fight to watch is. I already told you it's Arnold Allen versus Sodiq Yusuf. This is the best fight on the entire card. The two best prospects in the featherweight division. One of these guys could be a future champion. This is going to be a huge win for whoever gets it done. And it's not that's going to be a big loss, but it's going to be that first UFC uh, L for whoever doesn't get it done. And they're going to have to, you know, work their way back up. But regardless, both these guys have such bright futures. They both bring such special things to the table, the clean, crisp boxing, the precise hands of Arnold Allen versus that Nigerian horsepower and serious grappling, too, of, of Sodiq Yusuf. I just cannot wait. The calf, the calf kicks of Sodiq Yusuf, everything about this fight makes it my fight to watch. So Arnie versus Sodiq, that is my fight to watch. Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC on ABC2? Man, some good options. Um... My fighter to watch is actually going to be in the very first fight. That's Impa Kasang and I. I mean, look, you just got, I mean, they're saying the Buckley. I mean, it kind of was. Is, is it the most spectacular KO in UFC history? I mean, I want to see One how you come back. I want to see how you come back. I mean, I don't think I've had a reaction besides maybe the Edson. Like when the Edson KO happened, I remember my reaction to that one. I was like, oh, my God. Or like Masvidal and Ben. I, I would say my uh, – Buckley Impa reaction it was a little greater than those just because we never we never seen nothing like that before. So I want to see Impa man. He's such a positive guy. New camp, new weight class. I want to see how he performs. I still think this guy has a lot of potential moving forward. Um, I wouldn't write him off. And, and I think this is a perfect opponent to come back to. No offense to to Sasha. Well, you know he's only got eight fights. Uh, a little inexperienced himself. So I want to see how Impa bounces back. New camp, new team, and let's see how he does. For me, my fighter to watch is Ignacio Baamondes, man. I mean, I've seen what happens when Sean McDessey fights these long strikers. I mean, I remember when we cashed on Yancey Medeiros back in the day. I even bet on uh, this guy, what's his name, Mehdi Baghdad, and I lost that one, but it was like the guy drops John McDessey, and then he goes for a flying arm bar. So, you know, it's one of those things where um, this is, this spot has been a spot that, you know, that I've loved for years, and Ignacio Baamondes, I'm excited to see what he does here. This is your chance. Like, for you to lose this fight, this guy's got to sidekick you and run away for 15 straight minutes. So go go out there and show off your techniques and your skills that all the people you've been training with have been praising for years. Like, this is your opportunity, young man. So I want to see Ignacio Bahamonas come out here and, uh, and, and have a solid debut against an against a good entry-level opponent in John McDessey. So Ignacio Bahamonas is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down tomorrow in the afternoon, y'all, on ABC. Uh, man, I cannot wait. I think the reason why it's going down early is because it was supposed to be an all-Euro main event between uh, Vittori and Till. So they wanted to get you know the UK fans and the Italian fans, everybody in Europe watching early. But now it's Vittori versus Holland. We're still down to watch it. Make sure you all check out our, our sponsor, Manscaped, at manscaped.com. Use that promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. Follow Shaq at MMAGenius05. Follow me at Best Five Picks. Go to bestfivepicks.com. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify. All the places where we are available. We'll be back next week for the next card. We truly appreciate all your support. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe. And until the next time, let's cash these bets. <laughs>